Today, I'll be talking with Vanessa from Las Vegas, Nevada. Welcome to the podcast, Vanessa. Let's talk. Hello, world. Uh, Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great to have you. Um, when when the when the virus first hit, um, what was your initial reaction to, to what was going on? Um, so even before it hit, honestly, it hit Vegas, I want to say in late March. Um, me and my husband, we actually love to travel. Uh, we had just finished up our honeymoon in Seattle, Washington. And that was back in December. And that was kind of when, you know, there were a little bit of hints and stuff of uh, some kind of virus coming out of China or, you know, uh, when's it going to hit America, this, this and that. Um, And then we go into January, you know, still not a worry for the U.S. Uh, We're still traveling. We went to Chicago. Um, We actually used to do... um, tournaments we used to be tournament organizers so it was for a video game tournament called uh, frosty frostings and uh yeah so we went to chicago and that was right around uh the time where somebody was like oh a woman that tested positive for coronavirus traveled through chicago o'hare airport and we're just you know we started getting a little bit more concerned and we're just like okay you know maybe we should uh you know to play you know take it easy on the traveling And then, um, in February, I think that's when the John Johns Hopkins, uh, tracker for the virus kind of started to go and the numbers would start, you know, were rising. And, uh, then it was like the first confirmed case in Washington, first confirmed case, you know, and that's when it started to really gain traction. We were just like, this is, this isn't good. This is, uh, this is terrifying, actually. It's like, you know, it's only a matter of time. And then, you know, of course, it came to the US. And uh, at the time, I worked in the trade show industry. And I was like, Vegas is, it's tourism. It's all about people gathering in small places and large places and uh, just gathering in large numbers. So it it was, uh, you know, I could just tell it wasn't good. Um, so yeah, that was, that was really, you know, my first thoughts when it started to hit. Um, and then when it actually finally hit governor Sisolak put out the, uh, the stay at home order, basically late March, everything shut down. I remember, um, I was part of a, uh, a thing called corporate challenge where all of the companies in Vegas would get together and do like Olympic style sports and stuff. And, um, I want to say it was like a Thursday or Friday night or something like that. Uh, we were all playing and then they just stopped everything. And they're like, we have to, you know, this is the last event of the season. It was the first and last event of the season. It was dodgeball. Uh, and they're like, yeah, governor Sislak is, uh, shutting down the state, you know, everything, you know, we were, you know, we're closing everything up. We're not going to risk it. And then the very next week, everybody got pulled into a room and they're like, grab everything you can from your desk. Uh, and work from home. And we were given literally an hour to pack up uh, all of our electronics, all of our possessions. Um, it it kind of reminded me of, um, you know, sadly, and this is terrible, but like the Holocaust, uh, where people were, no, not the Holocaust, forgive me, uh, Chernobyl, 
where, you know, they were told, you know, oh, you're going to only be gone for a couple of days. Just, you know, pack up two suitcases worth of stuff. And yeah, um, yeah. And st know, stuff is still sitting on the stove and, and stuff like that. Like you it, didn't really. Yep. Yeah, actually. And, you know, just a little bit of, uh, you know, forwardness on that is I, I, you know, months later, they let us back into the building to collect our stuff. And I didn't have anything because I knew I knew I was like, we're not going to be back here. I knew no, nobody else seemed to be taking it seriously. They still seemed to believe that, you know, it was only going to be for a little while. Um, you know, just take your computer, leave all my stuff on the desk. And yeah, it was, it was very eerie going back months later and seeing everybody's possessions just all out there on their desk. Like, like nothing had happened. It was just missing the electronics, you know, shadows right. yeah. of people were still there. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. A little bit of dust and, and, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. All the trinkets and things like that. So it almost overnight, everything, everything stopped and you were just so at home. How how tight did they, did they lock things down in that first, first wave? Uh, in Nevada, it was so, and I probably could have mentioned this before and I am an awful storyteller. So you'll have to forgive me for, you know, trying oh, no, to go okay. back for detail. <laughs> I think the canary in the coal mine for Vegas was that the casinos started closing before the, the governor even closed the state. That's when we knew because I don't feel like ever in the history of anything, just during wars, during a uh, natural disaster, like anything like that. I mean, we had a terrorist attack, basically, you know, domestic terrorist attack in Vegas, you know, on one October and, you know, not even then did the casinos close down, but the casinos closed down in this instance because they knew it was going to be bad. They didn't know what it was, but they knew that their, you know, the casinos would be a breeding ground for it because of the nature of casinos. So they closed right. down and then governor closed. Uh, I think it was grocery shops were good. Um, a lot of restaurants could do takeout. Um, but if you were considered non-essential, you were, you were home you know, until further notice. So the strip must have been like a ghost town because I, I've, I've been to Vegas one once and I went to, uh, you know, uh, probably about two years ago. And yeah, I mean, it's just so many, you know, it's so vibrant. I mean, and, and I just can't imagine, you know, as, as large as it is and, and everything, um, you know, being shut down, was it, you know, did, did people stay away? Was it, you know, like eerily quiet or were people still sort of hanging around or it became a thing because because they were worried you know obviously with only you know a few security guards roaming around uh the whole thing was just closed down they actually boarded up the the doors and all the entrances and stuff like that it was very apocalyptic and it became wow. a thing for locals to actually either drive down or just you know walk down because i don't think anybody had ever seen it like i, I was there were it was, it reminds me of like uh, Manhattan with the taxis and the, the pictures you get of Manhattan with the taxis and the cars and, you know, barely any walking space or driving space. Everybody's bumper to bumper. That's usually what the Las Vegas strip looks like uh, yeah. any day or time, you know, day or night. Uh, there was, there was just nobody just, you, you'd have a couple of cars cruising just to, you know, see it and you'd <laughs> cyclists. Uh, took over. Uh, that was one thing that I didn't get to do that I wish I had was cycle down the Las Vegas Strip because there were barely any cars. Um, but Did yeah, it was absolutely terrifying. Um, there were, 
And I think that was uh, that was a last stand for some of them. Uh, but a few of them did go dark. And yeah, that was that was I feel like that was when people knew it was getting real and people were actually scared um, it, because we had just never seen anything like it. So some state some still had their lights on. Uh, some decided to save a little bit of money and shut them off for a bit. Well, I mean, and and such an iconic thing, the Vegas Strip to to just mm-hmm. shut down and 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 see, uh, you know, like you said, the doors are boarded up and some are you know gone dark and stuff. I, that that's post apocalyptic type stuff right oh, yeah. there. I mean, I, I just can't imagine um, that that could even happen. You know, and 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 that sort of brings me back, like, like I, I'm sixty, and um, you know, here, and I'm sure it's the same as as in you know Vegas. Is you know, you, you got a mask on, you, you you stand in line in some cases to go to the store and get you know bread, milk, whatever. Um, and and it's just, I, you know, I think there's nothing that could have prepared me for for this being normal. Right. I mean, at first it was like, this is pretty weird, you know, wearing a mask and that's kind of strange and stuff. But now, um, like we were, we were driving past the car, um, a couple of days ago and my girlfriend said, you know, she looked at a truck driving by and she said, you know, what used to be, you know, the, the dice, the fuzzy dice hanging from the mirrors. Now it's just people hanging their masks Mm -hmm. and and become a normal thing for us. That's just like, that's just normal stuff. Like it's, it's, that's what kind of freaks me out sometimes. You know, it's interesting that you say that it's, it's been normalized and you know, it's, I, sometimes it seems like it's quite the contrary in some places is, uh, especially months in we're months into this and you still have people that will walk up to a business with no mask and then wait to be told, you know, to, you know, you need a mask to enter. And like, that's a shock to them. You know, we've had this mask mandate, you know, since we opened back up, I believe in June. Uh, And you still have people that are, you know, shocked that it's even a thing, but you know, more so, yeah, like it's, it's definitely normalized. You see people just, you know, before they walk into Target, reaching into their back pocket, grabbing their mask, grabbing it from their dash, you know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. It's, it, um, I don't know. And, and I don't think, um, like I think when this is over and I, you know, I firmly believe that we're going to get through this, you know, I'm pretty optimistic yeah. and stuff, but I, I think when this is done, I think those that have lived through it, like, you know, you and I, and, and everybody else that's, that's actually, you know, gone through this, I think we're still going to be even years from now, I think we're always going to be a little hyper vigilant. I don't think we're going to throw those masks in the garbage. I think they're going to go in a drawer and we're going to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I don't think I can ever. Yeah. I don't think I can ever jump on a plane the same way again. Um, I mean, in uh, a lot of people like to point to uh, Asian countries, you know, that wear masks when they're, you know, taking part in like public uh, things and doing public transit and stuff like that. And a lot of people don't understand it's a courtesy if they're, you know, not feeling well, or, you know, it's just to protect themselves from other people that may not be as considerate and aren't feeling well. And I feel like that's something we should just do indefinitely. Like if you're feeling under the weather, you know, we live in a culture where, you know, people are forced to go into work when they're not feeling well, whether it be because they don't have time off or, you know, maybe it's just a slight cold and they don't, 
you know, realize that they can pass that on to somebody else and, and what it's what's simple to them and, you know, just the sniffles for them could be something bad for somebody else. Um, well, and, and that's, you know, a, a thing now, too, is you definitely don't want to um, risk, you know, passing it on or, or whatever. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people are, you know, if you do get a, you know, a normal flu, a bit of a cold, you, like we've gone and gotten tested once because, you know, my girlfriend wasn't feeling good and we thought, okay, I mean, we just don't want to take a chance. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think, you know, that's, like I said, I think everybody's going to just for a long time, we're just going to always wonder, is, is this it again? Is this, is this come, you yeah. know, is, it gonna, is a different one going to come now? I, I, and um, I, I think, you know, just the fact that, you know, we went through something this large, you know, globally, and, and that's something that's never happened that, that I can, you know, um, remember for sure. And I, I just think that we're always going to have that little bit of, you know, oh, oh, be careful. Oh, you know, like, I don't think we're ever going to just let our guard down. No, absolutely not. I mean, I, I think it it has a lot to do with like the American culture because everybody likes to talk about the parallels between, you know, COVID and, you know, the 1918, you know, Spanish flu pandemic. And I feel like the takeaways from that were greatly diminished and watered down uh, due to the fact that we lived, well, a lot of people back then lived in a time where so much was going on that you just had to get over it. You had to work. You had to continue to go on. And mm. whether it be mental, emotional, anything like that, that, you know, impacted individuals was just kind of snuffed out because you just had to continue. And, and don't get me wrong. You know, we need to continue living now for sure. Like we can't let this like forever impact our lives. Uh, unfortunately, it we, we need to move on. But I feel like, more people are willing to talk about the psychological, emotional, you know, physical impact of this now, uh, now that they can, now that there are outlets, you know, like this, like podcasting, radio, you know, shows and stuff. Um, so history will be able to see that we did move on. We did continue to work. We did continue to thrive and we did rebuild, but not without a significant impact to the American psyche. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, you know, I think uh, I, on the one hand, I, I think this is, you know, bringing to light things like domestic violence, uh, depression, um, mm-hmm. anxiety. I mean, you know, a lot of mental health issues are, are, are you know, brought more into light and, and you'd like to think understood better. You, you'd like to think people are more compassionate about these things now. We're seeing it you know, it's, it's more visible than it was. But on the other hand, I think there's, there's a, a, a certain um, uh, percentage of people that they're just too busy surviving. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, their heads down, they're surviving. And I don't think they realize what, uh, what the, the effects to their, to their psyche, to, to you know, to their mental health is going to be once this is over. And mm-hmm. I, I think, I think you're going to see people that once they're through this, I mean, they were too busy trying to put food on the table, figure out how to keep their family safe, how to whatever. And they haven't had a chance to breathe 
once this yeah. is done, I think people are, you know, you're going to see people with PTSD. I think you're going to see people just break down and like, absolutely. You know, and and mm-hmm. once they start to realize what, what damage has, you know, is, is being done to them that they just don't have time to like, you're right. They got to push it all down right now. And, and it's going to surface at some point. Yeah. And then that's actually one of the biggest reasons why I felt compelled to, to get on here and speak with you, you know, given the opportunity was I was actually shocked at how uh, I reacted to it. Um, I have suffered from generalized anxiety disorder since, uh, gosh, 20, uh, I want to say 2011, 2012. Um, You know, for the longest time, I didn't understand it. Now I have a bigger understanding. And it was almost like living your days like a vibrating chihuahua. No, you weren't, you know, having, you know, trigger warning. Uh, attacks on a, you know, a daily basis, like many people do. Uh, I didn't suffer to that extent. I was able to work my way out of that over the years. Um, but it, it was to the point where with everything stopping with COVID, it, it felt like something was finally changing. We were living our lives with the status quo. Nothing was changing. Uh, we weren't satisfied with how the government was doing things. The world as a whole was doing things. Uh, I was not necessarily satisfied with where I was at in life, you know, with my job and just how I felt about myself. And this this felt like a hard reset. And for the first time, it was just like things, things have to change. Like there's, there's no, we can't go back to whatever normal was for each of us. Things are going to change. Many people, it seems like it was for the worst. And sometimes it was for the better and somehow, and, and I think this was the struggle that I was having. I was like, should I do this? Should I not, you know, go on this podcast is I actually fared well and I'm thankful for that. And I don't want there to be any, uh, stigma or, or negativity with people that, you know, were fortunate enough to somehow make things work. And, you know, that's through no fault of my own or anyone else's or, you know, anything like that. Um, and I just wanted to to be able to talk about that. No, I, I think, um, you know, and, I, and I've talked to a couple other people, you know, this week that um, I, I think, you know, and, and from talking to them, you know, some of them sort of told me their stories that this, this has been an opportunity for those that choose to take it to better themselves in a lot of cases, because Mm -hmm. you're home, you have the time. Um, you know, we, I, okay. I'm not going to say we live, you know, busy lives because I'm retired and I'm a very lazy person. So (laughs) you guys live busy lives and, and, you know, you, it's, you're on the go all the time, you, you know, you're working, you might, you know, working late, you're missing lunch, you're, you know, you're not having dinner with, with your family in the evening because you're busy working and, or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And, and this has forced, you know, a lot of people to, to slow down. They, exactly. you know, they're having dinner with their families, they're, they're spending time with their spouse, their kids, their, you know, and I think it, it's given people a lot of time to just reflect and, and, you know, read a book. I mean, do whatever, but like mm-hmm. self after yourself. And I, I, I hope that when this is done that, and I, and it's, it's not going to happen for everybody. Some people are going to go right back to the way they were, but I'd like to think that some people are going to take what they've learned and what they've gained and, 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 you know, sort of keep going with that and, and, you know, 
and just be better for it. There was something, and I saw something, I believe, when I was scrolling social media, you know, where there are a lot of people like that. There are a lot of people that did take the opportunity that they were given, you know, for however long they may have been unemployed or, you know, even if they're still employed to do something. But at the same time, we definitely shouldn't, you know, put shame on people who just genuinely took a breather. Like maybe they didn't decide to better themselves. They just decided to take a giant deep breath and do something that they wanted to do for the first time, whether it was reckless or, uh, you know, financially or whatever, you know, they're just like, I'm going to just live off the grid. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, oh, you know, no, things I, like that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I, you know, I think that if, if you can come out of this with, with better than you went in, in some regard. And, and like mm-hmm. I say, you know, in, in some people it's, you know, they've, they've sort of, maybe they've trained themselves to, to a different career cause they lost a job to this or, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, like I said, they're spending more time, you know, with family than they were They're, they're you know, they're going to, they're putting family first before work. Mm-hmm. Or like you say, those that just took this time where they needed that healing and they, you know, they were too busy with their regular lives to have that. So mm-hmm. now they've had that opportunity. But I think if you can walk away from this with something, you know, something, then, exactly. then you didn't let it beat you. Yes. Absolutely. Otherwise, otherwise this virus, like this pandemic, you know, won and you, and, I just think if we can have something, then we didn't let it win. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I got laid off. Well, spoiler alert. So they had us, you know, work from home after everything was shut down. And then not even a day later, we were told we were being put on a furlough, a 90 day furlough, you know yeah. it. Yeah. So it was just like, okay, I have three months to figure out something to do. And, Um, you know, I, I initially took it as a breather. I took it as an opportunity to just be like, I've been working jobs that I'm not necessarily, I I don't really care for. Uh, a lot of them were administrative things and stuff like that. I'm like, I feel like I have so much more potential, but you know, let me take this time to just reflect. I got married last year. That was hell on earth for, you know, like months after the engagement, very, very busy. So, you know, I took it easy. And then it just kind of became apparent that things weren't going to get better. Like it, I wasn't going to be able to just waltz back into my job, you know, after the 90 days. And, you know, lo and behold, uh, we got, we all got letters in the mail saying that we were being laid off, you know, permanently. And I, you know, I didn't expect anything different. It, it was the trade show industry. If people aren't attending trade shows, then there's no money to be made. Uh, and they made so many cuts, so, so many cuts, even the people that I believe that, you know, would be holdouts uh, in the industry just as a skeleton crew, like a ghost crew just didn't make it. And uh, that's when I knew I needed to change. I was like, okay, um, you loved going to school. What, what do you want to go to school for? Um, my original bachelor's degree was in political science. Um, my passion was, um, basically researching like the methodology and just the ideology um, of domestic terrorism, Uh, the rise of domestic terrorism, whether it be like white supremacy, you know, things like uh, Ruby Ridge, uh, the Oklahoma city bombing, um, you know, just Timothy McVeigh, Waco, like all those things like that. I am such a, a history buff when it comes to things like that. And I was like, 
you should get into counterterrorism. So I'm sitting there just researching all of the programs I can go into this, this, and that. And I came up with, you know, front lines right now. Uh, wars aren't necessarily fought on the ground anymore. They're fought online. And I was like, cybersecurity, like, that sounds like a great thing to do. You're tech savvy. You can do this. Um, so I started the process. Mm-hmm. I started, you know, getting, uh, like, going to FAFSA, getting financial aid and all sorts of stuff. And then I was just like, are you sure? Like, are you sure you want to do this? And I, I hesitated. Um, but it was also coming to the point where I was like, money's running out. We had unemployment for, you know, a minute in, uh, well, some of us did. A lot of people still haven't gotten paid. You know, that's crazy to believe. I think there's a lawsuit right. going in Vegas or, or Nevada, rather, for people that still haven't been paid out. Um, but I was fortunate. Um, but it was running out. And I was like, okay, um, I actually do need to get a job. Like, I can't just leave it to my husband to support us, you know, the entire time. Money's going to run out. Um, so I started looking and I almost gave up hope because all of the jobs that, you know, I would normally go for, um, just very similar in nature, just, uh, administrative stuff. And I'm just like, I don't want to do this again. Like I, I always end up getting these jobs where they just kind of want you to put your blinders on and just focus on what you're doing. Don't ask questions, you know, don't pick things apart. You're, you're there to do one thing and one thing only. We're and not that's paying it. you to think. We're exactly. Paying you to type or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And anybody who knows me knows that that just doesn't fly. Um, so, you know, and I, I did eventually find a job and uh, I am very grateful for the company that uh, decided to hire me. It was a very small company. Um, but even then, when I walked into the building, uh, it was very apparent that things had changed. It was a very small building with like, 15 people in it and you know people were wearing their masks they weren't wearing their masks and everything just kind of hit me after six months of being unemployed being socially isolated and having to share a tiny closet-sized room with another person that wasn't wearing a mask almost broke me because I could not like I was just like if one person in this office gets COVID-19 we are all getting COVID-19 And these aren't things that you would think about before, you know, it's just like, oh, it's just a small office. It's nice and cozy and everybody works together. Um, But I, I was like, oh, I can't do this. And I was going right back to square one of being a vibrating chihuahua and just being anxious and, you know, wondering how I could uh, fare through it just, you know, to make money. Um, But then... Then I got the opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, somebody at Tesla looked at my resume and they thought I was a good fit for a project manager position. And wow. I I am very, very good. Like I've always been very organized and stuff like that. So I uh, went through the hiring process. Everything was golden. And I got that call and they're like, hey, it's remote. Uh, It seems like it's right up your alley. We're going to pay you what you want. Are you in? And I was like, absolutely. Um, So, and and that's. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I've been with them for a couple of months now. And I've got to say, this is hands down probably one of my favorite jobs, very most stressful. Um, But anybody who's worked for Tesla can tell you that. 
you know, aside from there never being a dull moment working for Elon Musk, uh, you just, you can't pick a better group of people to work with. Like, that's one thing that I can hand to Tesla is they hire the best and most motivated and bright people. And that's what makes, you know, working there so great. And I, I've just well, been having and, a good And I'm time. sure the whole cutting edge aspect of, of the industry, like where you're working is pretty interesting as well. Oh, absolutely. And I had actually worked for Tesla years ago, uh, administrative, basically. And, you know, the first time around, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that great because it was the put on your blinders, don't ask questions, just do what you're told. And uh, I couldn't fathom that, you know, I couldn't. And I, I left. I ended up leaving uh, because I just couldn't understand. I was still very young. I didn't understand how the world worked. I didn't understand that when you're at the bottom of the totem pole, you can't just propose these sweeping revolutionary changes to middle management and expect things to happen. So yeah, it takes I, me a while I, to figure that out. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't as seasoned. So, you know, a uh, couple years later, a uh, couple jobs under my belt, a lot of uh, humility, uh, humbling experiences, uh, humbling supervisors, managers, uh, etc. And uh, I came back and I was more prepared this time. And I'm, I'm so glad, you know, that it, it, the last job, I probably would have been there for a while. Knowing me, I was like, I'm comfortable. I like who I work with. I get paid. Eh, okay. You know, it pays the bills. I would have been there for a while. I would have, I would have settled. And, you know, along came COVID that was like, nope, you're done. You're done there. Um, you're going to be unemployed for seven, eight months. Uh, but then we're going to give you an opportunity that you've been waiting for to break into a role that you are perfect for. And yeah, it's, it's been great. And, you know, I, I work from home and uh, that's been an adjustment. I, I hate it, but you really? know, we're getting, yeah, I, I just, I'm a very outgoing person. Um, so sitting in an office, even though it's my, you know, spare bedroom, it just never, eh. I have to have my desk at the window to pretend I'm outside. <laughs> well, and, and I, I know that, you know, with the whole, you know, work from home, I'm sure once once this is over with, there's going to be a percentage of people that will stay, you know, working from home. And, and I yeah. think businesses are going to realize I don't need to pay for the infrastructure of having, yep. you know, let's say 100 employees. If, if I can, you know, scale that down to how 60 and, and 40 can work from home. But mm -hmm. I, I do believe that there's going to be a, a certain group of employees that need that that human interaction. They need that personal connection. So they're they're the ones that are going to want to go into into the office. So yeah. I, I think you're going to get a lot of both. But I think businesses in general are going to they're just going to look different. Oh, don't get me wrong. I don't want to be in the office either. But <laughs> working from home was just a was just an adjustment. But yeah, now we're. Uh, investing in uh, things that'll make it easier, you know, like a standing desk, exercise ball, like we're, we're really trying to make it, you know, something and try to be healthier by, you know, getting up every hour, you know, setting alarms or investing in technology that will yell at us for an hour if we don't walk, you know, things like that. Um, yeah, but, you I, know, I think you have to, good. 
set up some sort of routine, you know, and it's, and it's a new routine because you've never had to do it before. Mm-hmm. So you're, you, you know, you're starting from scratch and you, you got to sort of figure out how best is this going to work? And I, I get, you know, it probably takes some, I've never worked from home, so I don't know, but I'm assuming it takes a little time to figure out how is this work for me? Oh, this was a year of learning some serious self-discipline because, you know, if you were laid off, you could just sleep until two and, you know, really like, you know, I don't have any children. Um, you know, I have a dog that cares and I do feed him, you know, but, you know, it was my husband that was getting up early to feed our, our fur child. Um, and then I was just sleeping because I didn't know what else to do, you know, for the first month. You're just kind of in shock. And um, after a while, you're just like, okay, you can't do this anymore because you sleep until two and then you're up until 4 a.m. And, you know, you're by, you know, after but a while, do, you're just off sync. Everybody needed a bit of that to, oh, totally. to start. I think you had to have that before you, you know, got into that gear of, okay, I, I, I've, I've, I've had that. I'm ready to, to, you know, turn this into something else. But I think everybody needed that little bit of, I don't know what the word is, but you know, self, whatever, hug yourself for a month, lay under a blanket, watch Netflix, whatever. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And, and that's, that's really what the first month was. But then, you know, when it started being detrimental to, you know, other people around you or your health or, you know, cause again, it was just a really strange eating schedule after a while. It was strange sleeping. It just wasn't compatible when, you know, we had things to do on the weekend. So you know, after a month, month and a half, you're just like, okay, I need to actually set an alarm for a decent time in the morning. I have to get up. I have to get something to preoccupy myself with. And, you know, it became like trying to find things to do before you knew it. I had uh, a whiteboard of, you know, all the things that I had just put off saying that I didn't have enough time. (laughs) And and I'm sure that's a big list for most people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, some of us, we just stared at it for a while. And we're like, wow, that's a great list. I color coded it and everything. And, you know, am I going to do it? Who knows? Um, But I I did end up crossing a few things off of that list. And I was really glad I did. One of the biggest projects I did was um, my mother has two giant bins of just old family photos. And I took it upon myself to scan all of them so we have digital copies of them to you know preserve history basically so well that that's that's a a project in itself i mean that that would take a lot of time for sure Oh, it took me a long time so and and it was just you know it was for everyone but it was mostly for me because it was you know important to me that we you know nothing happens you know if anything happens to the physical copies we have the digital copies you know to to survive them. So, well, and, yeah. and like for me, I, I find, you know, like I said, being that I'm retired, I, I'm used to being at home. I, I mean, it's, it's not even two years I've been retired. So it's not like I've been doing this for like 10 years or anything, but I, you know, I'm used to, to having, you know, the hours of the day and, and stuff, but with the lockdowns and stuff, there's certain things we just can't do now. Like we're, we're mm-hmm. locked down so tight right now that we can't have uh, you can't have visitors in, in, in your, in your apartment, your home, mm-hmm. whatever. You can't even sit in your backyard, you know, and social distance with anybody outside of your household or, and if, and if you get caught, you'll get a ticket. So really, is know, that where you're, where you're at right now? Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually the worst, 
well, the, 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 the most strict thing that they've done, um, and they just did it a couple of weeks ago was if you go, there, there's a certain list of, of, um, of items that, that they're allowed to sell in the stores. And, mm-hmm. and if it's, if things aren't on that list of whatever, like, you know, it's food, you know, um, medicine, you know, that, you know, there's certain things, but you can't go and buy like, let's say Christmas decorations, a Christmas tree, Christmas wrap, that stuff's off limits. You can't buy it. You can order it and, and you can do uh, like curbside, you know, but if you go into a store like, like a Walmart, all of those things are, are wrapped in plastic, those shelves. You can't even touch the stuff. Like you can't see it. You can't like, aisles just aisles of stuff is wrapped up that you can't even go to i'm gonna sound like Um, a terrible person to some people but uh i I, that sounds like exactly what a lot of places need right now because i we have in vegas we had or at least until uh governor sislak uh did the latest round of like a soft closing or I can't remember what they called it. It was like a soft shutdown or something like that. Um, they had opened up bars. They had opened up all of these things uh, that was just conducive to people wanting to sit around for hours upon hours of time talking to each other in close proximity. And mm-hmm. I, and then, you know, uh, I, I thought it was hilarious because you know, hilarious and ironic and sad, you know, I, I love Vegas, but sometimes I just don't feel like people think things through. Uh, somebody uh, spoke to a bar owner in town and they were just like, we have, you know, things uh, marked off on the floor and the stools and stuff like that. So people social distance, but they won't listen. And I was like, you opened up your bar. Like, you, yeah. That, yeah, that's not, that's not how it works. That's not, that's not what a bar means to people. Um, and I think it's just rough. Like, so here in Vegas, uh, Target, Walmart, big lot, like all the big name stores packed. They are just packed with people Christmas shopping and don't get me wrong. I know it's not necessarily the most, uh, like dangerous, uh, task you could be doing. The risk is relatively low, but the, the store is still filled with people. It's like, what are you doing? You know? And, and I think that me. that's the reasoning that, that they did that here was it, it wasn't so much that we don't want you to buy these things. It's got nothing to do with the items. It was, they didn't want people browsing. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. You'd go and you'd, you'd pick up your groceries and, oh, I think I'm going to go look at the DVDs or I'm going to go take a look at the TVs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, you know, the browsing and the touching. Everybody's yeah. touching everything. Yeah. So I think those were the, the, the two reasons. And, I mean, there's been some pushback, you know, I mean, not unlike, you know, you guys down there. I mean, up here, you know, we have the same, just not to the same degree, but we have people who don't, uh, you know, believe it's real. They, you know, oh, the government can't do this. They're, they're taking away my rights or, you know, we, we have that here too. But I, I think for the most part, people uh, kind of understand it is what it is and, and, I mean, for me, it's like I, I'm willing to to give up, you know, shopping for whatever or, you know, whatever it is else I have to do if it gets us to the end of this healthy. And, and, exactly. and you know, I know 
you know, like, like for Christmas, they, they, they just announced yesterday that, that we're our current lockdown and we're in like cold red, it's called here. So it's the tightest and they, they've extended it till January 8th. So they, they basically, our premier came out and said, forget Christmas. It's not happening. You can't have people outside of your household with you. You can't just meet people outside. You can't have them for a meal. You can't just spend, you can't, you know, you're, you're not even allowed to go outside and see them. Like it's just stay away. Are you you in America? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. And it's, it's, and, and that's, I mean, like for me personally, like I, I'm okay with it. Not that I like it, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I want to see my kids. I, you know, I haven't Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'll give you an example of my, my son, my youngest son and his girlfriend, they, they just told me, um, in October that they were expecting their first. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and when they told me it was, it was, we were already in this lockdown. So they came over and we met them outside because they're not allowed to come into our apartment. And they had masks. We had masks. We just, at that time, we were still allowed to go for a walk together outside. And then they told me, you know, the the news and I I couldn't give them a hug, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so, I mean, I haven't been able to, to, to do that, like to, to physically give my son a hug or my grandkids or whatever since like February. And so to me, that's the biggest cost that, you know, that this whole thing has been for me, but you know, with Christmas, I know that we're going to, we're going to spend the Christmas. Our celebration is going to be sitting in front of the computer screen, FaceTiming my girlfriend's daughter, my kids, you know, her family, whatever. And that's going to be our Christmas celebration. But if it protects my family and, and helps everybody get through this, I'm okay with it. I'm not happy about it, but I'm okay with it because I believe that this is going to be the last Christmas that we're going to have to do this. So and I'm that's the mentality. Yeah, it, it needs to be prevalent. Like that spirit, that like everything, like I can't put it better myself. Like just, it's not going to be like, this needs to be the last Christmas that this ever happens. Like we don't ever want this to happen again. Like it was different. Um, you know, you're still in good spirits about it because you'll, you know, we're utilizing technology to bridge the gap for right now. Uh, we're not necessarily missing out. We're just partaking in a different way, but that needs to be prevalent right now. We need to be willing to make some concessions so that more people can make this out, you know, make it out of this safely. Um, and I just, I can't convey that to, you know, I mean, um, I, so I live in Vegas. Um, I have two, three siblings that live in Vegas. And then I have one that lives across the States, uh, in a state that isn't as strict. And for the most part, doesn't really believe that a pandemic is even taking place. Um, and I, I haven't hugged my parents since January. I haven't, uh, I haven't been able to go near them. Um, even though, I am isolated. I work from home. I don't go anywhere. Uh, I get my groceries delivered to me all the whole shebang. I just don't do anything. I would rather not take the chance, the off chance. And because my mother takes care of my elderly grandmother, she's going to be 99 this year. We have no idea how she's made it this far. She's so resilient. And I'm just like, 
I could not have that on my conscience if anything were to ever happen. If I was asymptomatic, if my husband was asymptomatic and we were just like, you know what, we've been uh, socially isolating for such a long time. We, we, we're fine. No. Um, my parents, they're, you know, they're older. Uh, sometimes they get a little lax. Um, and I have to remind them, I'm like, no, you know, don't come near us, you know, keep your masks on. Like it's, we need to make this a thing. Like it means to be normal because I don't know if I'm okay with you taking your mask off around me and I'm taking my mask off around you. I don't know who else is doing that. And me normalizing that is not good behavior. Um, no, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's like a spider web, right? I mean, I don't know um, if if I choose to see person A and, and have them in, in personal contact, right? Mm-hmm. Well, person A might have seen four people. Mm-hmm. So now I've got at least five people that I've really been in contact with, plus each of those four are seeing. So, I mean, it's like a spider web of possible contacts Absolutely. that now are and- affecting me. I think like, like we, we, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that, that, you know, throw out percentages like, oh, but it's not so bad because, you know, it's got a 94%, you know, survival rate or, or, you know, whatever they throw stupid numbers. And, and, and to me, it's like, even if it's a 99.9% survival rate, that point one person could be your grandmother, your uncle. Mm -hmm. And, and to me that, that, however small that risk is it's just not worth it if oh yeah knowing that especially with the vaccines coming now that the vaccine's coming i don't understand how people can't see where the goal line is right there (laughs) we're gonna trip over it it seems in the wrong direction somehow yeah like i mean it's sad that we're so close i mean in in you know sure it's gonna like i don't think i'm gonna be vaccinated here probably till next fall Mm-hmm. right at the and, rate we're and, going yeah you know yeah and I, i'm okay with that i you know i i know that like we've already approved it yesterday they're they're gonna start i think in the next couple of weeks but you know mm-hmm. it's gonna be healthcare workers uh people in 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 you know um care homes um first responders you know all these other and 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 justifiably so they should yeah. get it before me i have no issues with that and like you're you're in a warm climate, but for us it gets cold. So in the summer, I was able to, and and our numbers were a lot lower. We weren't in the in the big lockdown where we are now, but we could go for walks with our kids. We still social distance, so we'd you know go for a walk in a park or something. They'd be like ten feet away, but at least you're with them. You mm-hmm. know, we we could sit at a you know sit out in the backyard, you know, ten feet from each other and, and whatever. So at least we had that right? We still weren't physically able to hug and touch or, you know, we didn't have them in the house for dinner or any of that stuff, but at least we could spend some time with them. And now that winter's here, it's too cold to do that most of the time. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, it's like, okay, I just, if I can just get through the winter, then at least I'm into spring where even though I'm still going to have to social distance and wear a mask and stuff, I can get outside with my kids again. Yeah. And then by fall, I'm going to, we're going to be vaccinated. I know that this is probably the last winter I'll have to go through this. I don't think I'll have to go through another winter. So to me, if I can just get through this winter, I'm home free. And if exactly. other people could just see that, you know, if they could just see that the end is there and, and, you know, maybe they, they look at things differently, but 
I don't think a lot of them will. I think I think a lot of them, they see it one way, and you're not going to change that. Yeah, going back going back to the spider web that you were talking about, I kind of I labeled like the humps that we go through, like the challenges that we go to go through. Sorry, uh, in response to like the waves, the first wave was like fear. It was all fear based. We didn't know what it was. We didn't know how to feel about it. Everything was changing. Everything was under lockdown. It was fine. The second wave was during the summer where we came out of it. It's like, okay, you know, it's not as bad as we thought it would be. You know, summer, lots of people were out. Um, And then, you know, 4th of July comes around, which is a big holiday for people. The spiderweb part of that would be the trust. Because that was what I was hearing so much around that time was I trust them. I trust them that they wouldn't do anything crazy. And it's just like, okay, you're trusting that person. And then that person's trusting four other people. And then it goes from there. And, you know, I could understand that because I'm like, oh, well, I trust my parents wouldn't do anything crazy. I, I, you know, I could probably go see them if it came down to it. Or I trust my older siblings, you know, that they wouldn't do anything crazy. And then everything stopped. Everything came to a sudden halt. Uh, when the one person I probably trusted the most got it, it was my older sister and the way she got it. Yeah. My older sister got it. And the way she got it was because, uh, her husband was still working and he brought it home from work and that just, yeah. So, uh, it was right around the July peak, uh, the 4th of July peak. And, uh, it was, it was terrifying actually. Um, cause she was the first person that I knew that had gotten it, you know, or that was right around the time where people were like, Oh, by the end of this, everybody's going to know at least one person that's gotten it. Um, so they were feeling under the weather, this, this, and that. And then all of a sudden, uh, it's 5am and I get a frantic, frantic phone call from my mother and you know, she's telling me, she's like, uh, you know, uh, your sister's husband, like they took him by ambulance. Like he collapsed, you know, he, we think he had a seizure, um, you know, and he was in the throes of COVID his, you know, um, his fever was off the charts and everything. But, you know, if you weren't sadly, if you weren't dying back then, they would tell you to take some Tylenol, take some ibuprofen, uh, and go home and isolate self quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, And that's what they did. And, you know, uh, they, yeah, they thought he had a seizure. He went to the hospital. Uh, thankfully he is okay. Um, he only spent one night in the hospital, um, and you know, they were able to stabilize him. And, uh, now everybody's obviously back to normal. It's been a long time. Um, I don't think they're feeling any residual, um, side effects from that. But, you know, it was a, it was a really scary time. I actually had to uh, tell my husband, I had to ask my husband if he would be willing to uh, stay home from work because I, I was shook. Uh, I, you know, you never think it's going to hit close to home. You know, you can, it was right around the time where everybody was like, it's not as bad. You know, it's, we're, we're all outside. As long as we stay outside, as long as we social distance, it won't be bad. And, you know, all it takes is just one, one person to to shake you up real bad and make you realize that anybody it could be anybody and it's terrifying um and then so 
after we got over that wave, I think after 4th of July, everybody kind of realized how bad it could get if nobody was, you know, if, if everybody was just going out and hanging out with people, that's what would happen. So third wave, it feels like, is just getting over the hump of the stupidity factor where it's the fake news, people that just are just deliberately going out and like they're not phased by it. They don't care. And I'm just like, please, like, why can't you have some like human decency and stop thinking about just yourself? It's not about you. It's about everyone else, you know, that is around you, is around the people that can't uh, social distance, like the the um, people that have to go to work, the people that work in grocery stores, first responders, police, like everything like that. It's, you know you don't realize who you come into contact with and who they come into contact with. So just care about other people. And I feel like we've just been brought up in this terrible culture of, you know, you gotta, you gotta think about yourself and you gotta, you know, get yours and make sure you're taken care of, you know, and, you know, it's reinforced by the whole America first thing that we've been with for so long. And it's, I think it made it harder. I I think, I think this whole pandemic has, it's it's brought the best out of some people and the worst of others yes yeah you know i think like like for example you know at the beginning when people were hoarding like you know the toilet paper and 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 you know um that was ridiculous like well we and and we had people here that would buy you know they'd go to a store and just buy truckloads and then, yeah. and then they put it all on, on Amazon. Uh, you know, this one couple bought a, like mm-hmm. tens of thousands and then Amazon took it all down. They wouldn't let them sell it. So they tried to return it to Costco. Costco mm-hmm. wouldn't take it back. So good for them. I, you <laughs> yeah, know, good I, for I, them. I hope, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, and these people obviously, and, and I'm, and you, you know, I, there's, I'm sure you've heard of, you know, scammers on the phones. Oh, we need, you know, we're, raising money and it's just they they just don't care right all they care about is making money they don't care who they hurt and this is just an opportunity for them to you know to do those things but on the other side i mean you know we've seen obviously you know like i i I talked to a a woman today that that was in um just outside of portland and, and she does contract uh no she does um testing um, mm-hmm. drive-through testing. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you know what, even though it's her job and she gets paid, I mean, let's face it, she's really doing something for everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, you know, another example was I, like, I know here we had, like, we'd, we'd have some, um, local breweries who, uh, when, once we shut things down at the beginning, it was either, okay, we throw away our product and throw it down a drain because we can't sell it and it will spoil. Or, you know, they rejig their systems to, and, and they ended up making hand sanitizer and donating it to hospitals. And, and so, I mean, you had some that really stepped up and, and did, you know, for humanity or whatever you want to say, they really did something, you know, f- not for themselves. And then you have the other ones that were the total opposite. So, yeah, I think this really showed both both ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I think that was the exciting part for restaurants is like, so it was getting to the point in Vegas where I think a lot of people actually call us like the food capital of the world. There's just so many different types of food that you can get in one spot. And it's 
awesome. Uh, before this, you would always catch me in Chinatown. The food down there is fantastic. Um, and, but the thing is, it was so overcrowded. We had so many people because of the Raiders uh, coming into town, uh, coming in from California, and we were just getting way too big. I mean, we still are getting big, but uh, every restaurant, every night just seemed to be packed. Like, you know, if you weren't cool with waiting an hour, you know, obviously you just had to go home, you had to do something. And it it was, you know, it was kind of depressing because it's just like, I want to go out and have a good time and, you know, eat good food and this, this and that. Um, and a lot of restaurants weren't big on takeout. So right. one thing that came about uh, after the shutdown was just this complete revamp of people's takeout systems. And I'm not just talking about people just signing up for Grub, you know, signing their restaurant up for Grubhub or Postmates and things like that. Like people actually invested in their own systems, their own websites, their own, you know, their virtual yeah. infrastructure. And I was like, this is what you guys really truly need. It's it's long overdue. You needed a good virtual, you know, uh, presence. Um, you know, a good way to place orders online quickly and efficiently. Uh, and then one of our favorite things to do still to this day, me and my husband, uh, on the weekends, we'll get uh, brunch uh, from a restaurant takeout and we'll go and sit in a park and just mm -hmm. eat out in the open air because, you know, it's it's just something nice. And that's nothing we've ever done before. Like, who who did that before now? And, yeah. you know, yeah. it's become a pleasant Thing. And I, we were so big about giving back to the restaurants that were struggling because they had to make that transition overnight. We were just shoving, we were shelling out as much money as we could to our favorite coffee place because, you know, they had a drive through, but they had never really um, seen how far they could go with takeout drive through orders, baristas, you know, going back and forth between the window. Um, but everybody, seem to get through it and you know there are some people that didn't unfortunately and that small businesses being lost in all of this sucks and you know jeff bezos getting more money sucks even more um but it's like thank yeah, thank mean, god there's people that made it you know oh for sure i mean it, it, it's sad that that you know, some people are going to, you know, lose a corner restaurant or a corner store or something that was there for two generations in their family. Like their mom was a kid. She used to go there and buy candies. Now her kids are doing, you know, and that's going to be gone and, and that'll mm -hmm. never come back. I mean, those are the types of, um, you know, more than just businesses, they're parts of the community mm -hmm. that are, are going to vanish. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I wish I could say that we kind of had stuff like that in Vegas. Um, it's, uh, I think in Vegas, we got so used to, I grew up on the east side. Anybody in Vegas knows that the east side um, used to be a very, very, like, nice community, very quiet, very, uh, a lot of ranching homes and things like that, like big lots and stuff. Um and then the pricing for housing just blew up over the last 10, 15 years. And a lot of people were forced to go live back with their, their parents and their families, their extended families in one home uh, on the east side. And something you've seen uh, with that is just 
one day you'll see a shopping center that's full of like life. And then, uh, the next week it'll just kind of be diminished and you won't see as much. And then before you know it, they're boarding up the things and the, the areas for sale and, um, months go by and the lot is still empty. They, nobody wants to buy the property. And you're just wondering why, you know, there, it's not that the businesses are missed, but it's like, nobody wants to even be there anymore. Um, and that's very prevalent here in Las Vegas is just people packing up their bags and leaving businesses closing and nobody really thinks twice about it. Um, there aren't too many mom and pop shops, you know, that a lot of people go to. Um, and it's, it's sad because like, I want to miss that. Like I want to miss, you know, something, but it's almost seems like par for the course. It, you know, Sin City is, is great and all if you're visiting, but if you live here, it's, it's not, uh, it's not the greatest thing ever. So what's it like now? Like, like, uh, are they, I, I, I know they, they, you know, I, we had heard that they opened up again and, and, you know, I don't, I don't know how, how back to normal it got, but like, what, what's it like right now? So one of my favorite things to come out of the pandemic is, uh, Anybody who's visited the casinos knows, or, you know, maybe they don't know, um, they use facial recognition, you know, when it comes to their security and stuff like that, especially after one October, um, you know, they're really trying to prevent anything like that from happening and, you know, as well as any other crime. Um, but, you know, because everybody has to wear masks, they're using the facial recognition and this may or may not be truthful. Uh, this is just what I've heard. They reverse engineered the software to now look for people who aren't wearing masks. So hmm. it, I, I've heard of uh, basically instances where uh, somebody may have taken off their mask for too long uh, for a drink and then they just forgot to put it on. And within minutes, somebody is over there on the floor telling them that they need to put their mask on. And I'm, I'm really, frankly, I'm really impressed with how the casinos handled it. I don't know if that was just like from a top down, like CEO down to the company, this is how we're going to handle it. Or if this was based on, uh, protocols that were set in place or what, but they're actually doing well. Um, but I did see, uh, some numbers come out that a few casinos were responsible for some miniature or mini outbreaks rather in the, mm. you know, couple hundreds that I don't think they're going to own up to, you know, but that's because it's a casino. It's just like, you know, you might have to wear your mask on, you know, on, on the floor and stuff like that, but there are restaurants, you go up to your rooms with people, you know, things like that. Um, right. It's sadly, it doesn't feel that much different than before the pandemic. And that, that hurts me like that. It hurts to live in a place that doesn't take this seriously, that people are still packing restaurants, uh, still trying to go out to clubs. Um, I've seen videos of people going to raves with no masks on. And I'm just like, guys, we're, we're so close. We're so close to this ending. Why couldn't you, you know? And now the cases are skyrocketing and... I, I hope nobody's asking why, because you, you can just, you know, take a car down any street at this point, you know, with businesses, with casino, with any Fremont street, 
you know, Las Vegas Boulevard. And you can see why it's, it, you know, specifically here is just, you know, if we're going to open things up, people are going to go. And um, Vegas is a very, very liberal city, but we live in a very conservative red state. Um, and unfortunately, any act that the governor could do to, you know, mitigate more deaths, more cases, more anything is met with just severe backlash. And it, it's, it's considered and seen as tyranny. And I'm just like, don't mistake, uh, you know, inconvenience as, you know, tyranny or oppression. You know, people mm-hmm. are throwing those those words around and I'm just like, you guys don't know what oppression is. We don't, we don't know what oppression is, unfortunately, when it comes to, to the COVID, you know, oh, COVID pandemic. Oh, for sure. I mean, the, the cost, uh, you know, to, to, to your personal freedoms when it comes to just putting on a mask is, is nil. I mean, and I don't understand how, how, you know, they can't just, just put on a damn mask. You know, nobody's asking you to go out and, and, you know, crawl through a landmine field or, or whatever. I mean, just put a mask on. It's not that hard. It's, it's not. Yeah. And it, it was, I guess it was really, really interesting to see all of the, uh, the parallels with, you know, the Black Lives Matter, you know, protests and the marches and just everything, this so, social justice related that happened this year. And to see the people that are, like staunch non-believers of things of like you know real oppression real racial injustice uh things like that basically being pitted against other things and them still saying well you know all lives matter but i'm not going to wear my mask yeah it's like okay that's a little backwards you can't can't be all lives you know i just but i digress yeah. No, no, I, no, I, for sure. I mean, it's, that's my soapbox. Well, like... you know, we've been like, we've, we've we've been watching this all 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 summer. You know, um, I mean, it's it's something that we've kept a close eye on. I mean, not that there's no direct right. We don't we we don't live in the state, so we're not directly affected by any of this. But we still, I mean, our hearts break for some of the stuff you guys went through this summer, and and. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, you know, I hope things turn around for you guys because, you know, I, I think in a lot of cases, what happens down there still affects us up here mm. to some degree. You know, I mean, we, we're, we're the closest neighbors. We're, you know, we've been, you know, we're, we're like brother and sister sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. we're that close. And, and I, I still... We feel the effects of what what goes on down there, even though mm-hmm. it might not be as direct. It's a it's a it's a ripple effect for sure, and I it's it's got it's so bizarre uh, being brought up in a country that stresses like that's all you learn through K through twelve. I, I like to joke that you know K through twelve just the installation of the sense of nationalism and patriotism and stuff like that, especially growing up in a post 9-11 world. I was eight, nine years old when 9-11 happened, you know, and it was just patriotism, nationalism, love your country, everything like that. Your country has done everything great, always been on the right side of history. And then you go, you go to college, uh, 
and you you hit a brick wall and then you realize that the the sentiment and the behaviors and the feelings that a lot of quote unquote Americans have they're not just coming out of nowhere this it's not that uh you know people not caring for their fellow Americans or you know anything like that is is new it's it shouldn't be shocking this is uh, unfortunately, this is kind of how a lot of people were brought up: is to think about themselves, think about their well-being, their own well-being, think about their own family's well-being over and above anything and anyone else. Uh, and that I feel is what's gotten us here: is caring too much about ourselves and not about other people. And just, I think it's just wild to hear what other countries think of us now, because you're just brought up to believe that you're the greatest country on earth. And now are, are, I, I can't, I can't with a straight face even say that the greatest, we could be the greatest at something failing, maybe like at this well, point. Yeah, I, don't have, like, I, well, I mean, it's some of the stuff like as far as as how you know you guys are dealing with with you know the pandemic and stuff is very surprising to us um it's surprising we, I mean, to me too all, sometimes well, well, sure it is because I mean, we've always looked at you know the states i mean you guys were are the number you're the ones that were that everybody looks to mm-hmm. you know for, for technology for you know, this is how it's done. I mean, the states will be the first ones to, you know, they're the ones that are going to handle this. They're the ones that will look to, to how do we deal with this? Look at the states. We do it that way. But that, that wasn't the case. I mean, um, this, our, the, the gentleman that we have in the office right now that will be out by January 20th, God willing, God hoping everything goes great on that front. Um, he said he wanted to run the country like a business and the business, it, its main goal is to preserve itself and yeah, preserving and itself. Yeah. Preserving itself and profiteering off of it means there will be, you know, for lack of a better term, layoffs, dismissals, like people no longer being with us that have to take the brunt of every the, the the negativity just so it can preserve the shell of itself and that's where that's those are the cases those are the positive cases those are the deaths is a country that was so possessed by the need to be run like a business and put itself first and preserve itself over everyone else and then it ends up basically destroying itself in that pursuit i mean i don't want to say destroying the country as a whole but letting people die because you know oh we have to to lose a few i i heard somebody say that the other day and i couldn't oh it, you just want to punch him in the face oh yeah no i, I we have to lose a few you're talking about human beings yeah. you're talking about people's lives like how can you be so so callous and i've i've lost i've lost friendships over this i've lost like well, i <laughs> excuse me i see this this whole thing it's going to be and i've said this numerous times i see it being like the civil war families and 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 friendships are going to be fractured so bad that they'll never be the same after this and and i think that 
you know, even families are going to be, some are, are, are seeing it this way, some see it this way. Some are risking everything, some aren't. And and I think, in you know, once we're done with this, you know, you're going to look at, at certain family members, friends, whatever, and say, you know what, you put me at risk. Now I know, I, I know the real you. I know you showed what you really are. And I think some of that will never be repaired. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, because I, I and I have really two, you know, short, I guess, stories to attest to that. The The friendship that I lost, this was, uh, you know, two friends uh, that I had had for for years. And it just became very, very apparent, you know, who they supported politically, the ideals that they backed. And, you know, I was uh, you know, I majored in political science, like I liked, you know, debating things, you know, just like merits, morals, you know, things like that. And uh, they were kindred spirits in that sense. And we prided our ourselves and our, uh, our friendship on, you know, we could agree to disagree on things and move on. And there was no hard feelings if we both didn't see eye to eye. And uh, then the, you know, George Floyd was, was murdered, essentially, you know, and it was, it, it, I couldn't fathom what their justification was for thinking the way they did about it, uh, especially with their uh, political platform. Um, they are actually, they identify as libertarian. Um, and I was like, wait, so what you're saying is you don't want the government to be involved and you want, you know, police to have less, you know, power to lord over you and you want to be able to kind of live your life without the you know, risk of being murdered in the street for doing something, just minding your own business. Like that sounds pretty libertarian to me, you know, on a very basic level. Um, I feel as though you have more in common with the men and women and children and, and individuals that are out there protesting than you do with the people that you're supporting right now. Um, you know, and then it just, it just came to a head where I was just like, I, I can't, I, I just can't justify, I, it became apparent that they were just happy to have the friendship. Um, and I became the token, well, I have a friend that's this ethnicity, this minority, blah, 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 and they're friends with me. So that validates my feelings and I'm okay for thinking the way that I think and ha feeling the way that I feel about, um, social social justice cause causes and i was like you can't you can have an opinion about everything but you can't have an opinion like uh how do how do i say this i can't remember you can't argue with like social justice things like that you can't disagree with people's right to not be accosted by police officers for you know minding their own business or you know basically being arrested and chokeholded to death uh, for something that they didn't even do, you know, right. or being shot, you know, while they were asleep or in their apartment or, you know, the list goes on and on. And uh, so I was just like, I can't, I, I will no longer be your, your token minority friend. I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of that. And uh, I don't, I don't regret it. I do miss them, but I don't, I don't regret that. Um, and then alternatively on the family front, I have uh, an older sister she lives in a uh, conservative state and she, you know, it's become apparent that they just don't really, uh, the way they put it, they're like, well, we still need to live our lives. 
And I'm just like, I'm pretty sure all the people that have died wanted to live their lives. But, you know, like, you know, and they're like, we can't, we can't live in fear. And I was like, we're we're not living in fear. We're just kind of biding our time until things, you know, get better. Um, And uh, they keep saying, oh, uh, you know, I think it was back in August. They were like, oh, you know, we're coming out for Thanksgiving. And I'm like, the hell you are. What do you, what do you mean you're coming out for Thanksgiving? No, you're not. And they're like, but, but it's our year to come out for Thanksgiving. And we're like, it's a pandemic. We're in a pandemic. What do you talk, you know? And then we talked them yeah. out of that. But every, every month, every couple of weeks, it's, oh, I wish I had seen you for Thanksgiving. Oh, I hope we can come out for Christmas. Oh, I miss you. Oh, this, oh, that. And I'm like, it's one year. It's one year. And um, the latest the latest instance of, okay, this is my grand plan. Um, I'm going to social distance for two weeks beforehand. Uh, and then I'm going to, you know, get on the plane. And then immediately after we get off the plane, uh, I'm going to take a rapid test and then, you know, everything's going to be fine. And just having to over and over explain to somebody, it's like, as soon as you do this, as soon as you step out your door, as soon as you, uh, your child comes home from a daycare that doesn't wear masks, you know, none of the, none of the children know how to social distance. None of the instructors or babysitters know how or, or are social distancing. As soon as you jump on a plane, that you're going to be in for five hours, whether you have a mask or not, whether the HEPA filters work 100%, 99%, you know, moving, removing things out of the air or not, it negates everything. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, that one little bit of risk, it's all gone. And I was right? like, or it could be all gone. Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, it just became apparent that they were thinking only of themselves. They were thinking only of what they are missing, what they feel their child is missing out on, things like that. And I was like, is it worth the risk of not only our our, our parents are old, older, you know, my mother is going to be 70 next year. My dad just turned 60. My grandmother's 99 years old. Like, could you put that on your conscience? Could you, you know? And Mm -hmm. I don't think they're thinking about that. They're just thinking about what they're missing out on. And it's, it, that's, that's probably the most exhausting part at this point. I I'm okay with being at home. I'm okay with working from home. I'm okay with getting my groceries delivered to me. I'm okay with takeout. I'm okay with having to zoom meet all of my friends. I'm okay with all of this, but having to essentially argue over and over with people that just don't don't care about others they're not thinking mm-hmm. is exhausting no it is and 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 you know i've i've like you like you did with with you know the the first friend you were telling me about there's there's been you know people where it, it just got to the point where it's like i just can't do this anymore and you know and you know this 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 one person I, I you know I would talk to and and he would go through the well it's you know they they're taking away our rights and it's a you know, socialism and and you know oh it's it's just like the flu everybody should get it like open everything up but we need Somebody's watching immunity. too much Fox News <laughs> yeah and 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 you know and I, I just got to the point where I, I would tell him like 
I, I'm not trying to argue with you. And, he, you know, so it got to the point where I didn't want to bring up almost anything because I knew it was just I was pushing a button all the time. So I just stopped talking to him. He would call and I just stopped taking his calls because it, it was just I, I, I didn't want to go there all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, you know, I, I don't miss it. I could do without, <laughs> you know, I've, I've exactly. got other. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's, you know, and then there's others, you know, that, that I definitely want to make sure that when this is over, I still have that relationship with them. So sometimes I have to, you know, just sort of, okay, let's just not go there. Let's just not talk about this. And, you know, I've, I've, you know, told certain people, look, you know, you see it one way, I see it a different way. And let's just agree to disagree. And, you know, um, you do your thing and we'll do ours. So, um, but it, it's hard. I mean, it's a fine line sometimes deciding which which side you're going to end up on because do you still want to, you know, have a relationship with this person when this is done or not? And, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a hard decision. Yeah, there have been a lot of really difficult decisions being made this year. And I just, uh, it's, I think that's, it's really nice to like to be able to talk about it. I feel like this is, this has been very, very therapeutic. Um, well, honestly, that that was my that was my intention uh, of doing this. Is I thought, I thought that it would be, uh, you know, a good thing for people to to just get it out, complain, you know, whatever, but just vocalize it because I I think some people don't aren't able to do that enough. Yeah, it it because we're just you know even even now all these many months in and it's not necessarily something you talk about. It's just something that you live you know with people that you know you're you're with, whether it be your your spouse, your children, uh, your pets. I mean, I'm sure your pets are excited to have you around as much as they are. Uh, you know, they're around home. Um, that's probably been one of the best things. But uh, yeah, it's. It's going to be with us for, for a while, but I'm really hoping that everybody can, you know, take something out of it, like a lesson, uh, an experience, uh, a change of pace, like something. I just, I really just hope something is taken away, you know, by everybody. Well, and, and, you know, like, like I said before, I, I, I firmly believe that, that, you know, we are on our way out of this. The end is near. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We just got to kind of keep our heads down and, and, and we'll, we'll get there. And, and hopefully, you know, I, I, I've said this before and I honestly, I don't, I don't know if I even believe it, but hopefully, you know, we may come out of this a little more compassionate, you know, a little more caring, a little more understanding. I, I, I don't know. That may be for a little while and it'll go away, but who knows? That's actually something I, I heard from uh, one of the businesses that I have to work with outside of uh, my job. Um, he just said, and then this is a, like a testament to something you said earlier, was like, it seems to have brought out, like for good people, it seems to have brought out more good, more compassion, more love, more, you know, things. And then unfortunately for very spiteful, hateful people, there is just like this bitterness, this anger, this, you know, it's, and and we see that, uh, unfortunately, with a lot of the, you know, folks we have to deal with, uh, you know, with being employed. Um and it's 
it's it's just really I don't know it's just really wild even during Christmas time this is this is supposed to be the time where uh goodwill towards man and you know things like that and you somehow after all of this you still end up having people who are very very selfish and it blows my mind just blows my mind yeah um yeah i i, I don't think this is going to change that i i think uh you know those are the some sorts of things that are just always going to be um you had mentioned a civil war and I was actually, um, you know, just based on all the studies that I've done and, uh, with counterterrorism, domestic, you know, terrorism, eh, oh, I can't talk, uh, domestic terrorism. Uh, there were a lot, there was a lot of talk about, you know, a civil war and, uh, the election, you know, focusing around the election and stuff like that. Um, I feel like the election was like the culmination of everything this year. Um, thankfully, that went well, uh, better than a lot of us expected. Um, but I'm I'm actually really shocked that we haven't just dissolved into chaos. I'm I'm grateful. I don't think that's something we want to live through in our lifetimes. But um, it seemed like it was inevitable at one point just because of the tensions because of just everything coming to a head in 2020 so you you wonder if like maybe the aztecs got it wrong they just you know they were off by oh so many years i think yeah. it was eight years yeah no, i heard people let's talking about that <laughs> no i think it's it's quiet it, it seems to have quieted down and that's why i kind of have hope for oh well, i say quieted down as the cases skyrocket but I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've been, uh, you know, I'll look at the news once a day. That was something that they recommended, you know, was to limit your intake of news, you know, try to get digests instead of having the news on all day, every day, and just being consumed by it. Um, you know, try to get more um, media in, like podcasts have been a great outlet. I've never listened to so many podcasts in my life. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that the new year brings good things, you know, even at a slow pace, it's still better than what we've lived through through the last couple, you know, few months, 10 months, it seems. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, it's been um, really interesting, you know, having this talk with you. I've really enjoyed it. And um yeah, I think I, I think I've learned some stuff as and it's funny, you know, going through these um, little discussions I have, I, I always seem to come away with something I didn't I didn't have, you know, before I started. And, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, it, it's nice to get different viewpoints from different people, different areas, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's it was great talking to you. I really enjoyed it. And thanks for sharing, Vanessa. Yeah, the safe. pleasure is all mine. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you as well. Thank you so much.